Hey friends, it's Mark James. It's Monday the 7th of November. We're definitely in November now. It's really happened. This is it. What was the date last time? Was it October? Was it Halloween last time I recorded? I should be able to know. This year it was. It was the 31st of October and it's now the 7th of November. So last time was Halloween. Today is just good old, just good old Monday. Just good old Monday in November. The first Monday of November. And it's the 7th. I've got a gig tonight, Seton Sands. Tomorrow, Berwick upon Tweed. And then Wednesday, Half Anymore or Have Anymore. I learned this week that when you, it's a single F in Welsh, that you say that as a V, Have Anymore. And I also learned that uh, double L is actually like a fuss, a thl. It's a, diff- it's a strange um, set of letters, that, isn't it? It's sort of like a THL, a thl. <laughs> like Chlandidno, 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 but it's spelled Landudno with two L's, but it's Chlandidno. <laughs> anyway, Chrysoe Cymru, that's welcome to Wales. I've been gigging in Wales quite a bit, as you might be able to tell, last week. Last week I did Kiln Park on Monday down in South Wales, stayed in a travel lodge. Yes, I was just about to say Premier Inn, but it wasn't, it was a travel lodge. I stayed there and I was very bored the next day. Very, very bored. Although I woke up and I did some running. Now, that was really the last run I did until this morning. Um, Actually, that's bullshit because I didn't run on Monday. I ran on Tuesday when I woke up on the Tuesday. The gig on the Monday was good. Have I said, hey, friends? Hey, friends. Uh, The gig on the Monday was good at Kiln Park, but it was also Halloween night. So that has a sort of different vibe because everyone's in Halloween costumes, adults, kids, the whole thing. And I was just doing my normal show, but the whole stage is decorated with Halloween stuff. Then on Tuesday, I woke up and the place where I stayed was called Port something. I can't remember the name, but I stayed there down down near Kiln Park, which is near um, Tenby in Wales, South West Wales. And... It was a nice little premier rain. It was pissing down when I got there. Really, the rain was abysmally bad. And so I sat in the car for half an hour before I actually went into the hotel. But then the next morning I woke up and it was nice and dry and I did a 5k walk and it was nearly entirely a straight road. I basically walked five kilometers away, which, you know, took some time. It took an hour for me to walk it because it's 3.1 miles. So I walked, it actually took me 50 something minutes, but I walked a very, very straight long road from the hotel until I essentially hit the motorway. And then I turned around and I just ran back. I ran the same route that I'd walked. Now, ordinarily, I'd have just run two and a half kilometers and then run the two and a half kilometers back. But what I've learned is that when I was in Spain, this is when this started. Do you remember when I ran in Spain, in Benidorm, and I was really had a good time running the first day, and then the second day was a write-off, and then the Wednesday I ran again, but it was difficult, and then the Thursday was a write-off, and I could only run every other day. I realised that's because I was essentially getting out of bed and doing some fairly inadequate stretches. We're talking, you know, the lunge. The lunge that every, everybody knows the lunge, don't they? Everybody knows the lunge of stretching, where you put your back foot sideways and your front foot facing forwards, and then you sort of lunge forwards for about five seconds, and you go, yep, 
that's me warmed up. Then you switch to the other leg. And then you might do a thing where you effectively put your feet together and you lift your toes up on one foot. And you think, well, that's the fronts and backs of the legs sorted. That's me ready to do some serious physical exercise now. <laughs> but of course, it's entirely inadequate as a warm-up. Whereas a good hour's walk or, you know, 35, 40 minutes walk is a reasonably adequate warm-up for, for jogging. So... What I learned from the day that I walked Joshua to school and ran back is that actually I can run every day if I walk first. So in Spain, I didn't think it was possible. Then I walked first and I realized that actually doing more, but doing the first part of it as a walk makes running every day absolutely possible. So in Wales, that's what I did. I walked and then I ran back and it was much better and I was able to run every day, except I didn't run every day because that's essentially when I got lazy. Because last week kids were at, uh, on holiday, it was a vacation week and so Joshua was at my mum's for a few days and I was away gigging and Sarah was at home. Sarah was starting her immunotherapy treatment, which for the first week she got through like an absolute champ, despite the fact that she lived with an almost constantly present headache. And of course, the first week of that sort of thing is apparently the worst. The first month is apparently the worst. But I would imagine if the first week is the worst, then the first month... Uh, sorry, I imagine if the first month is the worst, then the first week of that month is surely the worst of that too. Not only was she starting her immunotherapy um, medication, but she also... <laughs> is this the sort of thing she'd appreciate me telling you on the podcast that she started a period that week? When I say started, I don't mean it was her first ever one. She's not 10. When do you start your period? I've no idea, to be honest. I guess it happens for different people at different times. I could liken it to when I first noticed that I was becoming uh, a man. That first pubic hair was a moment of such pride. <laughs> I always remember there was a kid in my class at school. I won't name him because uh, he's a real person who still exists. And uh, in secondary school, I always remember we were in PE and I was always tremendously shy about my body in PE. But um, this kid was not. And he, we were probably about 11 or 12. And I remember him in PE dropping his pants and effectively windmilling himself, which was a strange thing to do in front of the rest of your class. I should say it was in the changing rooms. It was in a place where we were all supposed to have our clothes off because we were doing uh, sport and we were all going to get in the showers. But I always got showered in, in boxer shorts until I was, I would go into my own little cubicle bit and I just never wanted anybody to see me naked. But this kid did not give one solitary shit. And the main thing I noticed when he did that was that he had a full array of pubic hair. I mean, all the pubes, a full set of, you know, adult pubes. <laughs> and I remember thinking, I, I haven't got any. I've got no pubes. And that really sort of... Um, that made me even more shy to show my body off because nobody else was waving their, their willies around in the dressing room, but this kid was, and he had a lot of pubes, and I had no pubes at all. And so rather than assuming that he was unusual and that I was probably more in line with the other kids, I just thought to myself, well, I bet everybody else has got loads of pubes and I'm the only one who doesn't. And that made me even more shy about my body. 
<laughs> that was something that I learned to get over in later life. I mean, now I don't have any pubes again, but that's out of choice, not out of a, a, a maturity issue of an inability to grow them. Now I don't have any because I don't wish to have any. <laughs> but back then I'd have killed for some pubes. Oh, the things I'd have done to just get some pubes. <laughs> Let me tell you, I didn't expect that story to come out today. I hadn't even remembered about that. I'd forgotten about that completely, but I can still see it now, like as clear as day. I remember the moment. I remember how I felt. I remember the pubeless shame that I felt on that day. God, now I feel ashamed if I got too many pubes. Isn't it weird how fashions change, eh? Strange times. But anyway, Sarah started a period. So I imagine that the hormonal and physical imbalances that come with the monthly event of having a period, because of course they alter your mood and your body chemistry and all sorts of things like that. We all know that. I'm not going to go as far as to say that, you know, stereotypically women are moody because that's the stereotype, isn't it? Oh, you're in a mood, you're on your period. Sarah's not really like that. I get that some people are like that. I don't think Sarah suffers from huge amounts of pain for like period pain. I think it's more just the, I know she has some because of course all women do, but I think it's more the um, the inconvenience because, of course, it changes what you wish to wear. It changes the things that you want to do. It changes your motivation. I just think it alters. I can't speak as someone who doesn't have periods, of course. Um, but I think it changes a lot of things in your psychologically and physically about how you just feel about life in general. So I don't imagine that it's ideal timing to start immunotherapy medication, which greatly messes with your body's chemistry at the same time as you are about to come on that month's period. And so that happened as well. And so she's been suffering from terrible headaches and all sorts of uh, physical maladies. And we're not entirely sure which one of those two things it's down to. But she wanted to be a trooper and brave it out, give it a week before she, you know, to see if it faded and the headaches persisted mainly at night she's been okay during the day but at night time she's been struggling way more with the headaches and been kind of just obliterated essentially and on the couch and she's been you know napping quite a bit on the couch at night and just feeling not great she's a real superstar you know the things that that woman puts up with beyond living with me <laughs> and joshua and our dog she really is a trooper but today she called the, uh, the, she has like a very specific number that she can call where you will always get through to someone night or day, very specifically in the cancer center. It's called the Rosemere. And so she called them and they said that she can have up to four painkillers per day, which is great. I think four painkillers a day might be just the ticket because, the headaches tend to come on more towards the evening and you can't take painkillers in le you can only take painkillers four hours apart, can't you? You can take ibuprofen and paracetamol two hours apart or at the same time, I believe. Oh no, you can take them at the same time. But if you take two paracetamol and then two hours later, you can have two ibuprofen and then two hours after that, you can have two more paracetamol and then two hours after that, have two more ibuprofen. So that um, helps you to go, you know, to have medication more closely together, I believe. I've never really been a big one for taking painkillers. I don't suffer tremendously from pains that require them. 
I do occasionally get headaches, but I find that they are much quicker alleviated with a forehead stick or those um, cold patches that you put on your forehead. They stick to your forehead and they kind of put a real cold into your head. I find that they help me more than any more than painkillers ever have. But the four painkillers a day is great because I would say if she starts to get headaches around 6 p.m., it would probably be a good idea to take painkillers around 5 p.m. so that you assuage that pain from really building. And then at 9 p.m., when you've still got a couple of hours left before you go to bed, to take a couple more, and then that'll get you, you know, deep into a nice sleep. And then when you wake up in the morning, she generally feels a lot better anyway. So I think probably 5 and 9 are good times to take painkillers if you are suffering from that problem but that aside she's been a real troop I said to her last night because she was like I hope the rest of it's not like this and I said well 51 weeks to go and that's kind of how you have to look at it because the ideal situation is that you make it to the end of the 52 weeks of immunotherapy without having to stop of course a lot of people do stop and there's no shame in that if you do get rashes or skin problems or really terrible you know if you get blood clots or bleeding or any of those things that can happen as a side effect of it but i think if headaches are the worst of it and she's got painkillers that can help that especially in this first month she might do okay it'd be great to be able to say that a year from now 51 weeks from now november next year that she made it all the way to the end without pausing and that would be that would be good that would be the ideal situation because that gives you the best chance of never having to confront any of these problems cancer-based issues again so that's where we're at with that that's a little catch-up on that score periods and pubes aside (laughs) that's going in the title isn't it periods and pubes maybe i'll say maybe i'll put pube envy in the in the title god what a thing isn't it funny that abbreviation pubes pubic to pube pubic hair pubes <laughs> stop saying pubes for god's sake anyway so i woke up and i ran And then uh, I went back to the hotel and got changed and everything. And I just had a really boring day. It was a three-hour drive from southwest Wales, three and a half hours, from southwest Wales to north Wales, where that night's gig was. And uh, typically, I'd have driven home and then gone, because it was only two and a half hours from home, the second gig. But I did save myself, of course, um, the... I saved myself an hour of driving from... um, Hang on. Did I... I did save myself some drive. Well, I saved a four and a half hour drive the night before, but it was an hour's longer drive the day after. So I saved myself three and a half hours of driving, um, but four and a half hours of those would have been, uh, I would have had to do that night, which I was very tired to do. And the weather was bad and driving through Wales at night when the weather's awful and it's pissing down is just very, very unpleasant. It requires a lot of mental energy and I just didn't have it. So I didn't do it. I stayed in a hotel. Hotel was only £35 as well, so we'll take that. Anyway, so I had a boring day of driving up to North Wales and I did a place called Greenacres, which was uh, busy enough. I had a nice gig and then I drove home. And then Wednesday, I had Have Any More, which was as busy as it always is. And that was good. I managed to save myself, though, because typically the week after... So I was already booked there at the same place this week for Wednesday, and they don't typically have the same act there within a six-week period. You always have to wait six weeks before you go back somewhere, which is why my tour this year has been 
a sort of seven week rotational because I've done six weeks, had a week off, then done those six weeks. Again, it's been great. But you can't typically do that. So I got called saying, we're going to cancel you for one of the weeks. Which one do you not want to do? We'd ideally like you to not do next week because then we've got longer to find a replacement than if you don't do this week. And I said, well, why are we canceling? And they said, it's the six week turnaround rule. And I said, but at this point in the season, is there any chance that any guests are going to be on holiday for two weeks? Because number one, it's not the holidays. And number two, Nobody goes on holiday for two weeks out of season to a place as big. It just doesn't happen. And even in the case that it does, I can do two different shows. And they said, okay, well, we'll have to run it past the entertainment manager. But if the entertainment manager agrees to have you both weeks in a row, then you can do both weeks and you won't lose the gig, which is, of course, what I really wanted. Because at this late stage in the season, you can't really afford to be not doing gigs when they come along because times are quiet. So um, I... They called the ENTS manager, the ENTS manager okayed it, which, to be fair, I knew that they would, because we get on well, and I always go down well there, so I knew it would be fine. So he okayed it, so I'm doing both weeks, which was a nice little save. And then I've had four days off, and what have I done in those four days? Well, what have I done for two weeks, essentially? The whole week Joshua was off, and the week before, and all of this weekend just gone. I've eaten like shit and I've done no exercise. So Tuesday morning was the last time I exercised until today. I've not been on the Peloton. I've not run. I've not even really walked. I'll be honest and say that from Thursday, I drove up to get Joshua back from my mum's and then drove home. And we had fairly bad food because we stopped off. And, um, oh, hang on. No, no. That was the week before. That was the week before that I did that, that I went and got him. So no, Joshua was at home this week. Sorry, I'm a total moron. Yes, Joshua was at home. Uh, so Thursday, we did something. I can't remember what it was. I think we went to the Trafford Centre or somewhere and we ate badly. Then Friday, I went and met Joshua from school and got Chicago Town stuffed crust, deep dish, triple cheese pizzas and some other shit and we ate that. Then Saturday, we ordered takeaway. Um, I think that was pizza as well, was it? Yes, it was from this place called the Moorbrook in Preston. Their pizzas, told you about them last week. They're amazing. And then Sunday, we had takeaway again last night. We, we ordered from this place called Six Burgers. And um, their burgers are phenomenal, but their wings are the best. I really enjoy their wings. So we ate their food. Saturday was bad, actually, because Sarah had the pizza. And it made her really ill. Like the, the immunotherapy drugs, along with food sometimes, she does not do well on it. They make it quite sick. I don't, at the moment, they say you should eat, you should take your tablet an hour before you have your medication or two hours after, sorry, take your tablet. That was confusing. They say you should take your tablet an hour before you eat or two hours after you eat. And having it an hour before she eats has generally made her feel quite sick. I never mentioned this to her last night, but I wonder if it might be worth trying not having a tablet until two hours after she eats. I wonder if she eats and then has the tablets two hours after, if that would make her feel less sick. She should probably try that this week. But anyway, that's all of the catch up on days from last week's podcast. There's not a huge amount left to say other than that uh, today I ran. I walked Joshua to school and then when we got to the end of the road where he turns up to school and I typically go with him, I turned down into town and I walked all the way to town and got a haircut, which was three miles. And then uh, 
after the haircut, I walked a little bit down towards Sarah's work because I was going to wave through the window, but I realised the shutters were still down because they don't open until 10 on a Monday because they have a Monday morning meeting. And then I ran home from there, ran home from, the, uh, from Sarah's work. And then I got in at like two minutes to 10, which was perfect, and listened to LBC Radio, which I love now. Every day I listen to that for my political uh, update and catch up and whatever's going on in the world. And then it finishes at one o'clock. And here I am recording the podcast. Oh, and I hoovered the whole house as well in that time. And I'm probably going to walk and meet Joshua from school. And then when I get back, I'm going to pack the car. And then I'm probably going to walk the dog tonight. If the weather stays nice, if it's not raining when I get home, I'm on at eight o'clock tonight. And um, that means I'll be home by midnight-ish. So I'm thinking a little walk with the dog at midnight might be quite good as well. Make sure I'm in bed by one. That could be... It's a shame it's so late. Ideally, I'd like to walk at night more like sort of half 10, 11. But, you know, it is what it is. Maybe I won't walk tonight. But I'm certainly building up to trying to do multiple exercises in the day. Because I've let myself put a bit of weight back on. Obviously, with eating shit all last week and not exercising. I can see it on myself. I can feel it. I haven't been weighed because... I don't want to get on the scales currently. I know that when I'm in a position where I've had a bad week or two, getting on the scales will not motivate me. What will motivate me is just getting on with it because I'm going to do the actions required to lose weight. But getting on the scales, if it's a bad number, I'll feel demotivated. And so that's counterintuitive. It's counterproductive. So what I need to do is just crack on. I need to just do the things that are required to lose weight. And then maybe next Monday, when I'm feeling good again, get weighed and see where I'm at. And then, and then I'll know. <laughs> I'll know at that point how much damage I'd done. I'll be able to retrospectively know what I must have weighed because I know what I'm capable of losing in a week. Generally, the first week back on it, smashing it, if I've been putting weight on, I can lose 16 pounds. So if I lose whatever I weigh next Monday, I'll assume I was 16 pounds heavier than that. Uh, I don't need to see the number to know. So we'll see. We'll see where I'm at next Monday. I'll get weighed. Usually I crack before then. Usually if I've been really good, like I'm going to do a two-day fast now, eat healthy Wednesday, fast Thursday. Typically I'll wake up on Friday. Curiosity will get the better of me and I'll decide to get weighed then. (laughs) So we'll see what happens. But either way, I've got events that I want to feel good for. I've got Newcastle Magic Circle's annual dinner next Saturday, where I'm on with my friend Michael Jordan. And I saw him a week ago, uh, just over a week ago, when we did a gig together. And I was thinking, oh, I'd really like to feel great when I see you again. And then I just did Kiln Park, obviously, last Monday. And I'm there again next Friday for their owner's party. So I'm thinking, well, it'd be nice to feel good then and have those people go, you lost weight, haven't you, since last week? And then the week after, I'm going down to the office of where my management is for the first ever time to check in and see what it's all about and meet everyone. And then on Tuesday, I'm doing an Alakazam Academy, a magic thing, live online teaching magic which is getting filmed so you want to feel good for that and then on Wednesday I'm really looking forward to it Wednesday the 23rd Sarah and I are going up to Edinburgh because I'm doing a gig with my friend Elliot at this place called the Three Sisters I'm headlining this uh, magic night and so we're going to go there we're going to do that we're going to stay out on Wednesday night and go for drinks in the Brewdog pub and everything and stay in a hotel and then Thursday we're going to have all day in Edinburgh and then uh drive back and, you know, 
come home. So that'll be good. So that's going to be very exciting. I've got the rest of that weekend off after then. Actually, I'm about to come up with a lot of time off. I've still got one gig a week, at least, every single week, up until January, which is good. At least I'm not completely off, because I do need to perform at least once a week to kind of stay on form. But I've got a few good little things coming up that are going to keep my hand in, not too much time off. I do have a period of 10 entire days off at one point, which is coming up in a couple of weeks. That'll be quite nice. But there's gigs at the beginning of that week and gigs at the end of the week after. So that's how the 10 days work out. But anyway, I'm closing my diary because that's enough diary-based banter. We're 24 minutes in and we've been catching up. So let's talk about other things. Last week, I mentioned Suella Braverman. Her name gets mentioned, uh, it's sometimes pronounced Braverman, sometimes pronounced Braverman. I would say it's Braverman. B-R-A-V-E-R-M-A-N. Suella Braverman. Anyway, she's the current Home Secretary and Chief Fuckwit of the government. And she got fired for accidentally, on purpose, (laughs) sending some uh, high, what's it called, top secret documents via her own email and essentially leaking... And now she's done all sorts of other shit this week after, but she's been reappointed back to the government by Rishi, Fishy Rishi Sunak. And so um, I wanted to talk about that briefly because it brings a story from my own life up. I don't know that I've ever talked about this on the podcast before, but I once applied for a job at MI5 and... It was quite a tricky process. You had to take some tests, all of which I passed. But once you'd done those tests, you had to um, fill in a form. And that form had all sorts of remarkable questions on it. Now, the reason it links me to this is that the job that I was actually applying for was uh, as a... um, God, I don't remember the, the exact name of it now. Essentially, what you would do... They were looking for people with good uh, people skills and people who were excellent judges of character and could essentially tell the difference like a human lie detector effectively. You were sort of, uh, the word is similar to invigilator, but it's not that, like a, a in, in something, like a sort of examiner of people, but not an invigilator. God damn, what was the word? I'm sure it'll come to me. But anyway, the point of the job was that when somebody else was going for like top secret clearance, high level uh, clearance within the government, it was your job to interview them and flag up any potential problems in their personality and sort of, um, you know, assess them. That's the word you were like an assessor, but it's not assessor. God damn, what was the word? Um, I'm going to see if I can Google it and it, see if anything comes up. Um, assessor, invigilator. See if the word comes up. Surveillance officer, it definitely was not that. Because um, that's a totally different thing. Oh, God. Surveillance officers... No, it wasn't, it was none of that. 
<clears throat> but anyway, the point was that you had to interview people and then flag up if they were potentially not suitable for a career in clandestine um, services. And I applied for this job during lockdown because I was thinking of a potential career change because obviously magic was up the wall and everything seemed fucked. And I started looking for potential jobs. And then I came across this uh, security services job from i5. I thought that would be fascinating and an interesting place to work. I was sure that it was something I could do. So I took the application. Part of the thing was watching videos of people and identifying various things. And uh, But one of the questions on it was that you had to write down whether you were having any affairs extramaritally, whether you were... Um, doing anything that you could be bribed for against your family, if you had any debts, if you had any of these crazy, you know, sort of um, things that would reflect badly on you. But then you also had to fill out what kind, not just do you watch pornography, because I think that, you know, they would understand that most people, especially men, again, not to be sexist or stereotypical, but I believe that all men... Um, probably watch pornography. <laughs> Maybe not all men, but a lot of men watch pornography. And um, certainly I'm one of them. <laughs> but you didn't have to fill in whether or not you watched pornography. You had to fill in what kind you watched, which was uh, fascinating as a question. You know, like, I don't know whether you were, whether they were trying to find out if you watched anything illegal. But presumably, if you were that sort of person that watched illegal stuff, you wouldn't apply for that sort of job. I don't know. But anyway, you had to fill in all of your certain sexual peccadilloes. Are you secretly a different sexuality than the one that you portray in real life? You know, are you hiding homosexuality? Are you hiding bisexuality? Do you watch pornography that could be bribed against you? Are you having any... All of these different things. And presumably... Well, what I find fascinating is that if you want to apply for a lowly job in MI5, and, and I would assume that being this kind of assessment officer is considered a fairly lowly job, you don't need a huge secure, security clearance other than that you'll meet people who will potentially go on to have high security clearance in their early MI5 careers. You don't really have any information that you would need, but you still had to fill in all this stuff. So I suppose what, I, what I'm getting to is how can it be that you could apply for a low-level job in MI5 and need to do all of these things. And yet, you can be appointed the head of MI5, which is, you know, that's what the Home Secretary is. The Home Secretary is in charge of the security services. How is it you could be appointed the head of MI5 and not need to undergo the same level of scrutiny that you could be in charge of the security services and be someone who is known to have been caught leaking classified information. I mean, it's remarkable. What a strange world we live in where they don't come under the same scrutiny when you're in charge of that part of the government and yet to apply to work in it, you have to answer some fairly embarrassing questions about yourself. I just think that's a remarkable sort of potentially mistake in the government there or mistake in the in the situation. But anyway, 
that's that. I think that's it. I think that I wanted to bring that up as an interesting thing because it links to something that I did. I'm trying not to just talk about the news anymore because it's quite boring. But let me just tell you, if you apply for one of those jobs, be ready to say everything. And I did. I did say everything. In the end, I believe it was judged that I was not suitable for a job in clandestine activities, having uh, already being employed in a job that is so public. <laughs> Maybe they listen to the podcast. <laughs> we can't give this jo- we can't give this dopey fucker a job as a spy. He tells everybody everything about himself on a weekly basis. But surely that leaves me less open to being bribed because I'm so open about anything. I think if you listen to this podcast every week, certainly in the days when it was every day, you'll know that I have no filter here at all. I talk about everything. Everybody who's ever listened to this podcast knows how I lost my virginity, the private things that Sarah and I get up to, every single thing in my life, you know what's going on. It's, uh, I'm unbribable, I suppose. But anyway, so that's that. I've decided this week, Oh, excuse my yawning. Did you catch it? Are you yawning now? Were you not? And then I mentioned it and now you are. Funny, isn't it, how they're catchable? Anyway, um, I decided this week that I need to really return to the simple things that I enjoy. The simple things that make me better. I actually, just before recording, was drinking a cup of red tea. And you all know the palaver I went through trying to find out whether red tea was good for you or not. But I just drank a cup of it. It it blocks the formation of new fat cells, red tea, apparently. It has something in it that does that. But anyway, I've already had a, an espresso this morning that I made with my grind coffee machine. That's the brand, not the method. And uh, I've put a record on. I swapped the record players. The upstairs record player was still working well. The downstairs one has been very unreliable. I think the belt's gone. So it drags round at a sort of unpredictable um, pace. It ju- the records just didn't sound right on it. So I've swapped them over. And having swapped them over, I've listened to a record downstairs as well. I've had that on for a bit while I was doing some uh, tidying before I started recording. And... Just returning back to simple things that I enjoy, you know, the occasional little dram of whiskey at night, the um, a coffee during the day, putting records on and listening to them, sitting in the upstairs chair and reading, just going for runs, doing some walks, things that I found filled my days and I enjoyed during lockdown. Not working now, as I'm not going to very much until sort of February, is effectively a sort of return to a a semi-lockdown of sorts. I'm going to have a lot more time off. And in that time, what I need to do is get back to good habits, good, simple living habits, things that make me feel good. And now that I'm fasting, my meals are going to be incredibly predictable. So Sarah and I need to do a big shop. And my items on the big shop essentially just need to be chicken breasts. (laughs) (laughs) because I just eat chicken breasts and noodles or chicken breasts and bread, just kind of very simple meals I eat on the days when I'm, when I'm eating. And then on a, on a Sunday, I think we should kind of go maybe week for week. I do like the homemade pizza, but I also like Sarah's homemade uh, Sunday roast dinners as well. So maybe one week pizza, one week roast dinners, one week pizza, one week roast dinners. And then in the midst of that, I just need to eat chicken and uh, low calorie rice and um, jack potatoes occasionally. And then uh, noodles or bread, just very simple things that are quite low calorie, but make me feel good.
That's what I need to do. Get back to those healthy eating habits. Certainly for another month. Maybe actually, I'm clicking open the diary again. I've got a cruise the uh, week of Christmas. I go on the 20th and I come back on the 23rd. So I'm fully home for Boxing Day and everything. What we're planning is possibly to send Joshua to my mum's the week that I go on the cruise and then for me to go get him the day that I get back because I'll probably park my car at Manchester Airport when I fly. So when I land on the 23rd from Manchester Airport, what I'll probably do is get in the car and instead of going home, just drive straight to my mum's from Manchester Airport and get Joshua back and then we'll all be in the house to wake up on Boxing Day which is great. That's unusual for me, by the way. Normally I'm in Panto or some sort of Christmas show. And so Boxing Day is the day I get home. But we'll have a lovely Christmas this year. Um, I just said Boxing Day. Sorry, what I meant was Christmas Eve. (laughs) Boxing Day, I usually have to get up early and go back to Panto. But this year I'm going to be home Christmas Eve, Christmas Day and Boxing Day, which is going to be amazing. Obviously we had that last year because of lockdown, but you know, things are different now. Was it last year or the year before? I don't even know anymore. Honestly, I think last year we had a normal Christmas, didn't we? Did we? I'm going to look at what I worked. Um, well, I was doing a lot of virtual shows. So yeah, I was home, but I was doing virtual shows last Christmas. God, I miss virtual shows. I really enjoyed that, you know. I enjoyed being at home and doing virtual shows. It was fun. Um... But anyway, I'm going to be home this year. So what I'm saying is from the 7th now, if I do four straight weeks, one, two, three, four, it'll be the 5th of December. But actually, if I can do six straight weeks, then that'll take me up to the week that I'm on the cruise. And the amount of times that I've gone on cruise ships and there's been loads of amazing food, but I haven't eaten it because I've been too fat for my suit. And it's only just say been fitting. I've managed to get down prior to the cruise so that the suit just say fits. And then even on the cruise, I've barely eaten and I've sort of punished myself with going to the gym or doing walks or, you know, missing out on nice things. And actually this cruise is in the Canary Islands. So what would be lovely is to get to a really good weight for the week of Christmas And then once I get on the cruise, still go for walks, still go running in different countries and stuff. But whilst I'm in the Canary Islands, maybe enjoy a bit of that food. Maybe enjoy some of the nice food that's in the Canary Islands. Canary Islands, best food. I'm going to write, do they have a national thing that you expect to get? Um, So there are some uh, Canadian, what's it called? There are some typical Canarian foods that are very good, apparently. Um, here we go, a trip for tasting top 10 traditional foods from the Canary Islands what am I going to look forward to? to eat like the locals now the problem with this is I'm going to be there in um, December and I imagine that a lot of these foods are summer because the first thing that's come up is seafood and generally seafood's better in the um, in the summer uh, papas aragudas well I know the papas is Spanish for potatoes or potatoes bravas uh, we say pota- they say papas. Oh, so Canarian, it is papas. I knew it was uh, potatoes or papas. Um, the first one is potatoes. It says it's a welcome treat. The volcanic earth makes these uh, wrinkled, so wrinkled potatoes boiled in their skins with garlic and olive oil. Well, that sounds good. Uh, Rancho Canario. It's a soup. Ropa Vieja. That's... Um, means old clothes this doesn't sound good 
Uh, rags are added to the pot. Oh, so this is a stew, but it must be um, it must be sieved with rags. Uh, pollo al salmonero and caneo al sa So this must be pollo. This must be chicken and salmon, I'm guessing. Garlicky marinated chicken dish seasoned with... Oh, that sounds good. Bifo. Um, young goat. Oh, gosh, that sounds nice. Bacon. I don't really like bacon. Uh, goifo is a flour, roasted grains and wheats. So that's a bread. So there are some good looking... Um, there are some good-looking, specifically Canarian foods here. This sounds really good. Apparently, as well, they have uh, a special honey. Tenerife has specific bees that they only have there. So there you go. Wouldn't it be nice to get to a really good weight and not be worried about my weight and for my clothes to really fit and be in that low 15-stone bracket? I don't know if that's possible in six weeks because I don't know what I weigh right now. We'll find out in a week. But uh, wouldn't it be good to be in that bracket and go to the Canary Islands and just be able to enjoy some local food and also to be able to take advantage of all the free food and the midnight buffet on the ship instead of doing fasting days like I always do and have a less good time than I could have because I already have a shit time on ships anyway because I don't enjoy them. Wouldn't it be nice to have a, that sort of time and not have to stress about it? So that's my plan. That is my... Um, that's my plan. Now, Sarah and I um, both took... That's, I'm moving on from that topic. Sarah and I both took British citizenship tests this week. And Sarah failed hers, the first one, with like 18 out of 20 or 19... Sorry, 18 or 19 out of 24 was a fail. Now, I'd done one earlier in the week. And I got... Um, I got 21 or 22 out of 24 and I passed. But then I did another one with um, Sarah that week uh, on the day that she did. And I failed only getting 16. So, And we both have lived in Britain our entire lives. And yet she failed hers and I failed one after passing one. So let's take another one with you here. You get 45 minutes to take this test, right? If this seems, if this gets boring, I'll skip ahead. But I'm just going to say that I took the whole test last time in two and a half minutes. So it shouldn't take too long. Okay. Which of the following territories does not belong to Great Britain? Scotland, Wales, England, Northern Ireland. Well, of course, it's got to be Northern Ireland because Great Britain refers to the land mass. You've you've got the United Kingdom and you've got the and you've got Great Britain. The United Kingdom is a political grouping of places, and Great Britain is a geographical grouping of places. Um, and of course, that's just mainland. Uh, Britain is is those things. Uh, who was the first Briton to win the Tour de France? The options are Sir Chris Hoy, Bradley Wiggins, Andy Murray and Steve Redgrave. Well, Andy Murray and Steve Redgrave are... Andy Murray is a tennis player and Steve Redgrave is a rower. So it's got to be Bradley Wiggins or Sir Chris Hoy. Now, I think Chris Hoy is also a cyclist. I know Bradley Wiggins is, so I'm going to go with that. It was Bradley Wiggins. I'm on two out of two. Uh, which of the following statements is true? The English language has no dialects. The English language has many accents and dialects. Well, I know that's true. So I'm just going to click next. The other options are Gaelic is spoken in North Wales and in Northern Ireland, people speak French. Ridiculous. So that's three out of three. How old do you need to be to go into betting or gambling clubs? Well, the answer is 18. So I'm just going to click yes. There are other options. What do Ian McEwan, Hilary Mantel and Julian Barnes have in common? 
They are British sports players. They are awarded with the Man Booker Prize for Fiction. They are Nobel Prize in Literature. They are awarded the Mercury Music Prize. I've got to be honest, I don't know this one. I do know the answer. I know that it's they've had the Man Booker Prize. But this was one of the questions in Sarah's test. And I didn't know it when she got it. So in the interest of fairness, I'm going to click the wrong answer. Even though I now know the answer. Uh, so that's one wrong. In Northern Ireland, members of the Legislative, Legislative Assembly are elected on the basis of what? Uh, the answer is pro uh, proportional representation. The other options are first past the post, personal achievements, etc. So they're obviously wrong. That's about voting. How can MPs be contacted? The answer is by phoning their constituency office or by going into their local council and asking for an appointment. Oh, no, you can't go to your local council and ask for appointment. It's by letter or by phone. So I got that wrong. What did the Bill of Rights confirm in 1689? Um, women's right to vote? No, the rights of Parliament and the limits of the King's power. I should have known that because fuck me. What were the suffragettes doing in the 1920s? Jesus Christ, that was a poor answer from me there. Who designed the Clifton Suspension Bridge? Well, I know that is Ingdom... Isambard Kingdom Brunel. I knew that answer already. Uh, does Britain have a written constitution? Well, there is the 1089 thing. What is that? 1089 uh, British document. I'm Googling this because I know the answer is no. Um, the Doomsday Book? No, that's not right. 1086. Um, the Doomsday Book. No, the answer is no. I know the answer is no, we don't. Uh, I was correct. I was trying to find out what the other thing was. I haven't Googled anything else, by the way. What was the estimated population of the British Empire during the Victorian period? Not a clue. The British Empire? I mean, that spans all sorts of places, doesn't it? So I'm going to put... Um, I put more than 300 people. The answer was more than 400 people. So technically, I was still right. <laughs> because more than 400 is more than 300. Uh, which of the following countries was not a part of the Allied powers during the First World War? France, Japan, Serbia, Bulgaria. It's got to be Bulgaria, hasn't it? Uncle Bulgaria? Yep. Uh, how many times have the Olympic Games been hosted in the UK? Not a clue. I'm going to guess two. The answers are two, three, four and six. I guess two. The answer was three. Uh, when were films first publicly shown in the UK? See, I don't think any of these answers are right because they're all 18, 1887, 1896, 1897, 1886. I'm going to go for the latest one, 1897. Apparently it's 1896. I was off by a year. I mean, that doesn't seem right to me because I thought the first film was the Lumiere Brothers. Or was it La Rive d'Antran at La Ciotat Station? Wasn't that 1899? I guess I'm wrong. Uh, where do the Welsh government members meet? Well, I know that is Senedd. The other options, by the way, are Westminster, which is, of course, incorrect. Stormont, which is Ireland. Holyrood, which is Scotland. So Senedd is Wales. Also, Senedd sounds like a Welsh word. Where is Southampton located? England. It's giving you all the countries as options. Uh, when did the First World War finish? Um, well, it's the 11th of the 11th, isn't it? So 11, 11 a.m. on the 11th of November, 1918. The other options are 11th of November, 1916, 13th of November, 1916. So anybody would know that that's incorrect because, of course, the First World War was 1914 to 1918. The other 1918 option is the 13th of February, which is incorrect. I was correct. It's 11 a.m. on the 11th of November. 
Florence Nightingale was known for her work on, well, she was a nurse, wasn't she? The options are human rights, nursing, computer science and manufacture. So I know the answer is nursing. Um, which act abolished slavery through the British Empire in 1833? Well, this was also in Sarah's question. And I clicked the Freedom Act, but the actual answer is the Emancipation Act. But out of the interest of fairness, I'm again going to click the Freedom Act so that I get it wrong because I got that one wrong the other day. How long does, uh, does Diwali last? I don't know the answer to that. I'm going to put a week. It's five days, so I was wrong. Who became King of Britain when Queen Anne died in 1714? I'm going to guess James II. It was George I. I was wrong. I've got three questions left. What was the population in of the UK in 2005? Well, it's... I'm going to say just under 60 million. The other options are just under 50 million, just over 50 million, or just under 62 million. I'm going to put just under 60 million because it's like 65 now. I was correct. Uh, when did the Habeas Corpus Act become law? There's just random dates. I'm going to click 1689. It was 1679, so I was wrong. I'm on the last question. Who discovered penicill penicillin in 1928? Uh, the answer to that is Alexander Fleming. I know that because he left some something, some bread on his table and it turned into mould and then he looked at mould and that's how he discovered it. Um, I am correct. It was Alexander Fleming. Uh, so I got... It says I got 14 out of 24. That doesn't seem right, does it? I, d I think that's wrong. Correct, correct, correct. Okay, one wrong, incorrect. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. That's true. I got 14. I got 14 out of 24. So according to this test, I have failed and I am not a British citizen. That, because I was talking to you about it as well, it took me seven minutes, by the way. Um... How ridiculous is that? To me, that's a bizarre test of citizenship. I mean, to be a British citizen, do you have to be a massive fan of British history as well? I must have got easy questions the time I did the first one because I didn't know half of them. And I think, you know, hopefully I would know by this point, I am not thick. <laughs> Maybe I am. Who knows? Um... So anyway, let's look at what else has happened this week. Bounties are gone from celebrations. The Well, not in all of them, just in some boxes of celebrations. They've done away with the bounty. The coconut-flavoured bounty suite is now no longer in some celebrations tubs. You can buy tubs that don't have it in anymore. I think that's good because I hate bounties. I do love buying those boxes of sweets, though, at Christmas. Oh, sitting on the couch on Christmas Day with a tub of celebrations and miniature heroes and um, Quality Street open and just getting, just making your way through them. <laughs> Having a tequila sunrise for breakfast. Amazing stuff. I absolutely love that. That's my favourite thing at Christmas. Then Sarah's in the kitchen knocking out the absolute king of roast dinners with turkey and all that sort of stuff. It's a dream. Then dessert later on and alcohol. It's, oh, it's just wonderful, isn't it? Christmas is just the best. And it's not far away, kids. It's six weeks away. Six weeks until Christmas week, as we just found out. So bring it on. I'm going to be healthy until then. I'm already feeling the pangs of like... It's weird how funny things occur to me. I think, oh, I'm going to be healthy today. I'm going to fast. But then I think, well, what if I did just eat a box of celebrations? 
<laughs> Nothing else. No normal food. What if I just ate a tin of Quality Street today? What if that was the thing I ate all day? A tin of Quality Street. Would that be okay? Would I still have been healthier than I was yesterday if I just ate an entire tin of uh, Miniature Heroes? <laughs> Better not, eh? What I need to do is get some uh, drinks, some Monster Energy. And I need to get those on the big shop so I don't have to buy them all the time. I only drink those on gig days, by the way. Any gig day, I have Monster Energy. One on the way there, one on the way back. Because I just feel it gets me through the drives and the boredom. It's a nice tall drink. But um, And I can look at how many gigs I've got this month. Left now this month, I've got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Oh no, that's into next month. So I'm going to need like 20 odd cans of that drink getting in. Maybe I'll go and buy them all. I'm going to Tesco in a minute to do the car. So maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll do that. I'll buy them in bulk and bring them home. Bring him home. Bring him home. Bring him home. The dog's looking at me like, what the fuck? I'm Jean Valjean, Doc. Who are you? Um, 24601. I know when Sarah listens to this podcast, she's going to say, Christ, when you did the British citizenship test, that bit was boring. I sense, I feel that bit might have been boring. I hope it wasn't. I'm sorry if it was. I have to bring up uh, Dr. Alex's Room 101s, by the way. He sent me some fairly standard ones that all involve driving, but then he sent me one that cut right to the heart of things that annoy me, and that was people who don't put their trolley back in the supermarket. People who leave their trolley next to where their car has been parked and think that's okay. Those people really, really bug me. They're the worst. They are the worst of humans. If you're one of those people, just know that I and everybody else thinks you are a cunt. <laughs> it hasn't been a proper podcast if I haven't said that word. Um, I'm currently learning some weird skills. Weird skills in order for next year's show. I want my... If I get back to doing the owner's shows at Haven and there's some question about whether or not that will happen. I don't know yet if it will. Just waiting for confirmations or whatever. But I want to showcase a huge array of strange skills. And one of the things I'm currently learning to do is say the alphabet backwards, which is way harder than you would think it would be. ZYX, I mean, it's easy to get the beginning, but then you have to have sort of Wavutsar. That's how I'm remembering it. Wavutsar. That's the next bit. ZYX, WVUTSR, Q-P-O-N-M-L-K-J, I-H-G, F-E-D, C-B-A. It's hard. It's really hard to do because when you're saying the letters, your brain is just telling you this is wrong. Your brain is like shouting at you. That's wrong. That's wrong. Z-Y-X, W-V-T-S-R, Q-P-O-N-M-L-K-J, I-H-G, F-E-D-C-B-A. That part's easy. I-H-G, Fed can't be asked. I-H-G, F-E-D-C-B-A. Saying the alphabet backwards is just hard because your brain is having a go at you. That's wrong. You're saying it wrong. Why are you saying it wrong? This is something you've known your whole life the correct way. You're saying it wrong. It's really weird. So I'm trying to learn to say the alphabet forwards and backwards on repeat whilst I do something else, which is also difficult. And behind me on the screen, I will have the alphabet forwards then immediately backwards so the audience can track what I'm saying the first time and know that I'm doing it correctly and then I will also exhibit another skill at the same time which is difficult maybe juggling 
while saying the alphabet backwards and balanced on a roller bowler. <laughs> that would be good. That's the kind of thing I'm trying to do. So the show is going to be called Shtick. Do you remember last year when I talked to you all about Vanishing Elephant and I was at this point in the year? It's exciting that I'm working on the next one. The show is going to be called Shtick and it's going to use the screen very, very integrally, integrally integrated. And um, it'll, be, it'll sort of have the alphabet, but I'll be balancing. I'll be juggling whilst doing the alphabet forwards and backwards. And then maybe whilst doing that, I'll do something else. I don't know. But I'm going to try and showcase a whole range of weird skills escapology, juggling, balance, saying the alphabet backwards whilst juggling, fire eating, a magic trick, a mind reading trick, just 10 completely different things in their own little sections with screens, with various props. It's going to be a lot of fun. That's the big idea for the show. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. And the question is, what else to do now that it's winter? What else do you do now that it's winter? How do you fill your time? Well, for me... I'm going to read, I'm going to write this new show, I'm going to um, learn loads of new skills, I'm going to take on a couple of different hobbies, I'm going to do lots of walking, I'm going to um, really learn about whiskey, I'm going to have a different whiskey uh, every other day and just learn about it, make notes about it, understand the tastes, I've got plenty of whiskies, but I feel like I don't really understand or appreciate what I should be tasting. So I'm going to improve that and learn a bit more about that and really start to enjoy the things we have in the house. I'm going to improve my coffee making skills. I'm going to support Sarah uh, through everything that she may need. She's been, you know, leveling up and working hard at work and exciting things are happening all the time. So I'm going to support her. And then I'm just going to love the hell out of Joshua as much as I can. Really enjoy the fact that I'm home at Christmas. So that'll be good. That's my winter sorted. They're my plans. Oh, and we're going to do some redecorating. The Peloton is going to go down into the outside studio now that uh, shows are not really happening. So that's going to be a real working office room for me. And then we're going to turn the bedroom into more of a chill space. We're going to get another record player for up here uh, to replace the one that's not working that I've swapped over. I'm going to have maybe a bit more city down space. Maybe we need another chair in this room. Maybe a second chair to sit down is the one in this room so Sarah and I can both sit down in here together and then we're going to turn the middle room in between our bedroom and Joshua's room which is currently the Peloton room with storage we're going to turn that into a full-on walk-in wardrobe getting ready room for Sarah because we don't have enough space for all our clothes so we're going to get a huge set of shelves for just a million pairs of shoes and loads of clothing rails, double clothing rails up and down so that we can hang all of our clothes there. And then we're going to uh, put a, the, the desk for doing makeup and stuff in there and then decorate this room as just a chill space and maybe put an, another chair would be quite good in between, like at the other wall in the corner. And then a nice long wide table in between with a record player and stuff. Maybe it'd be time to get a TV in here. I don't know. But we're going to make it into a chill space. And I think that's going to be nice. Good times. <laughs> right, friends, that's the podcast. Fuck me, another hour again. I honestly don't know how I fill this time. It's bizarre, isn't it? Just talking for a solid hour with no gaps. I really should try and get a radio job. The problem is, you can't just go on and be as honest on the radio, can you? have to fill a format and not just talk shit. And you can't say cunt whenever you want. Or talk about pube envy. Uh. 
<laughs> right, friends. I'll see you next Monday, yeah? Much love to you all. Stay well. Bye, everyone.